From the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Hi, I'm Robert Seidman. Thanks for listening. And I love all my podcast guests, but some of them I love a little more than others. And back on the podcast today is one of those people. It's ESPN's Executive Vice President of Programming and Scheduling, Burke Magnus. Burke, welcome back to the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Hey, Robert, how are you? I'm great, thank you. And I, I want to give a special thanks to you, Josh Krulowitz and Mike Soltis at ESPN and NPR. Uh, I know some people like to complain about uh, access to ESPN executives, so it's very gratifying uh, to get to talk to you from time to time. And I really appreciated uh, you guys coordinating not just this episode, but the previous one I did uh, with the internet sports scheduling nerd slash guru, Matt Sarsniniak. And uh, it, really, right. it really was very gracious of you guys. I appreciate it. And if any listeners have some uh, scheduling nerd in them and didn't listen to uh, that podcast, podcast. It's episode 44 uh, from January 22nd, 2018 in the archives. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll start you off, loosen you up with the, with the Matt Zars question. Uh, Matt yeah. wants to know, with, uh, with the ACC network launching in the summer, late summer, uh, and some period of, uh, I guess, two or three years where there are still relationships, existing ACC relationships with RSNs, and uh, Matt is wondering if that's going to somehow result in fewer ACC games being on the networks of ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN News, those, those four, I think, especially. Uh, and will that somehow mean uh, that there are less, less games on those networks to, to prop up a little bit at the launch, the ACC network? Uh, the answer there really is, or is not really. Um, you know, obviously, we're, we're looking at the ACC network a little bit differently in that it's going to super serve ACC fans, you know, both in the region and nationally, you know, uh, for years we, because as the conference has grown and inventory has grown, we've had to do things, uh, with that inventory on, uh, networks like ESPN news, which has really kind of been an overflow situation. And, you know, uh, obviously they had, uh, over the air local syndication, which is now going away. Um, and, you know, yes, the Fox RSN uh, agreement as between Raycom and Fox continues uh, for a small number of games, um, you know, through RSN syndication. But but for the most part, for the, the vast majority um, uh, of scheduling for the ACC network is going to come from, you know, uh, from the inventory that was on over the air, you know, local, regional over the air syndication previously. Now, we can pull levers in terms of team appearances and the quality of games that will be on the network will be at a high level. Um, but you know, you're, I won't say entirely, but for the most part, you won't see any diminution of, of ACC content on our primary networks. Right. Right. So, uh, so after the last time you were on the podcast, uh, a friend of mine suggested to me that I should go work for you. And, uh, my, (laughs) my reaction to that was, wow, you don't have any idea how little work I want to do right now. Cause I, I have an idea that uh, your job is, is, is actually pretty hard and uh, pretty demanding in terms of the, in terms of the time commitment. And I'm, I'm just wondering if you're willing to talk about that a little bit, like, uh, what's, what's, yeah. what's a typical day for you both in Bristol and, and, you know, I'm looking to find out like, uh, you know, in, in a typical month, how often are you yeah. on an airplane? How, how does all that go for you? Yeah. 
Well, first of all, I think you'd find uh, El Paso and Bristol to be uh, fairly different uh, places. <laughs> uh, so you'd, there'd be some acclimation uh, that you'd have to yeah, undergo the, the, to the, get. The, the climate is, that's a difficult jump for me, I have to admit. I like I liked the desert it was, climate. It was funny. We, we you know, I had a, a lacrosse game with my daughter. It was her final game of the year last year. And getting into the subject of, of work-life balance in a way, you know, kind of, you know, leads me to this little anecdote, which is, um, you know, it was a beautiful day yesterday in Connecticut, and and uh, I played hooky with Jimmy's permission uh, <laughs> to watch her final game of the year last uh, yesterday afternoon, and it was a beautiful day. And somebody remarked to me like how nice a day it was, and I said, "Yeah, this is the second nice day of the year that we've had, and the first one was yesterday." <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely have to invest in like a parka or or something to make yourself uh, survive up here. Um, so so I, I, but, I thought about it, and, and for the purposes of transparency, the truth is this: whatever you're yeah. willing to pay me that it would get me to do it, I am absolutely not worth that kind of money. So, so I'm, I'm, it, yeah. I'm, I'm off the table. But uh, you know, what's what's a when 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 you don't get the free pass to to go yeah. watch your daughter play uh, lacrosse? What's a what's a typical day look like for you? It's you know there is no there is no typical day. That's the actually that's the beauty of of my of my my job in a lot of ways. I I actually like that part. Right, right. Um, you know this is not to suggest um, that there aren't a ton of sacrifices uh, with personal time because it is uh, it is you know the, the you it's sports right the, you know the dynamic with right, sports right. right when when do sports happen generally they happen when other people aren't working right um you know nights weekends uh big events that kind of thing yep. you know those are all happening when other people um you know are are available to attend for the most part and that means that you know everything we all do up here in Bristol uh from a Monday through Friday 9 to 5 ish perspective you know, then gets plussed up with, with a lot of nights, a lot of weekends, yeah. a lot of travel. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, 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 I've been here for 24 years now, so it, 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 uh, it, it took some getting used to it, It's absolutely part of the bargain that you make when you work in this industry and not just in the TV part of it, but certainly in the team league or, or event part of it right. as well. Uh, you know, you, you, you have to endure, um, you know, giving up, uh, you know, c- certain aspects of, of a traditional life in terms of when your know, personal time is available to you. But on the flip side, ESPN has always been a culture that has allowed uh, people, you know, great flexibility to when you find those opportunities to do things like I did yesterday, which incredibly important you know, to me Absolutely. and to my family to be able to see, you know, those, those high school sports and those youth sports opportunities are so precious. You don't learn this until, you, you know, your, your kids in high school and almost at the end. Um, but, but, uh, but that, you know, flexibility at ESPN for, for their employees to find those moments where, you know, traditional jobs would have you sitting at a desk also, uh, helps balance things out. Um, now I also have a spouse who, uh, who uh who has also we've also been together for 24 years so the exact <laughs> number of th- I I started at ESPN uh you know in March of 95 and I got married in May of 95 wow. so uh so we've we've all been, the three of us have all been together <laughs> together ESPN 
uh, me and my wife uh, for the entire time. And she, you know, she, she's incredibly understanding in terms of knowing, um, and providing, frankly, uh, me the opportunity to do all this great stuff that takes time and takes me away. And, and, uh, and, you know, we, 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 she's a great partner and we do our best to, uh, to, to make it work. Yeah. Um, but Jim, it is, Jim Miller, you know, it, that, I was just going to say, Jim Miller has uh, said, said on my podcast, you know, one of the most important decisions you could make is who you marry. And it uh, sounds like you chose, yeah. you chose very well there. Well, you know, you, the word partner in this case is, is, um, couldn't be more, more accurate. And, and, and it may, it, it's the only thing that really makes it, makes it work. Otherwise it would be, you know, too many, you know, a bridge too far in terms of, uh, the time away, yeah, exactly. you know, it's, and at this, at this point, at this current moment, um, you know, I really find myself split pretty evenly in thirds, um, between Bristol, New York, and what I describe as somewhere else. <laughs> and that's, that could be, you know, an NBA playoff game or, uh, college conference meeting or, you know, uh, top rank or UFC fight or whatever, wherever, you know, the, the situation, whatever the situation demands in terms of, uh, keeping the, you know, the, the fire burning on the, on the business relationship, which is, which is my job. Right. So, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with a tough one anyway. So in the last month, how many, yeah. how many nights did you sleep away from home? <laughs> I'd have to go back and look, but, uh, I've gone, uh, I think it was January, uh, I was home for four nights. Oh, man. Yeah. 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 But I, it, was an, it was extraordinary because it's, it was, uh, you know, the Rose Bowl, Orange Bowl, Rose Bowl, CFP. Uh, I, went to, I went to the Australian Open for the first time ever, which, you know, you don't go over to Australia for a night, you know. Um, so that was a full week. And then... Uh, what was after that pro bowl, super bowl, you know, kind of, so it was, that, that's an extraordinary, that's about as sure. much as you could possibly do. Um, um, but, uh, you know, so it's not all like that. And I, and I'm, you know, I look forward to, we're entering the great time of the year here. Not again, not that there is an off season. Another thing oh my, my wife has bond saying, there is no off season, uh, which is true. Um, you know, but the summer does slow down to a certain degree and you can kind of pick your spots a little bit more freely once the NBA finals is over. And, you know, there's things that come along in the summer that, that I love doing and, and, and are, are really important, like the NBA draft and Wimbledon and the ESPYs and, and uh, Little League World Series and right, X right. Game and, and, uh, and, uh, then the U S open tennis on, on Labor Day weekend and the start of college football. So it comes around pretty quick, but, um, but summer's a time where you can really, you know, you can, you can find some time. So just, just sort of from a, I guess a, a work ethic premise and attitude, like, and I'm yeah. sure it doesn't happen even, even usually or regularly or frequently, but like when the NBA finals are on, how, how much of a, of a feeling do you have, you know what, I got to feel like I'm on call while this game is on. If anyone wants to call me. Yeah, that's pretty constant. Um, that, you know, for something of that significance, you know, when the NBA playoffs are going on, I mean, obviously we, we just got through the Western conference final, which was ours. Um, so, you know, I've, we've got a few days here before the finals start. Um, you know, but on the nights that the warriors were and trailblazers were playing, like, you know, I knew the phone was never far away. Um, and sometimes it's actual work 
issues and sometimes it's just you know a group of us uh commiserating you know and having fun watching the game you know we'll be on a text chain with connor and and justin conley and you know and jimmy sometimes you know where we're all just commenting about the game and, and the coverage and you know how the announcers are doing and you know and and uh how the action's going and you know you know wishing for certain outcomes to extend the series. You know, none of us sure, were, sure. We're, were terribly pleased with the, the, with the sweep. sweep yeah. uh, but uh, but the Warriors are, are are playing at a quite a remarkable level right now. Right. So that, uh, that leads into my next question. Uh, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver recently, uh, I thought, was sort of very open and transparent about uh, the, the NBA telecast being television shows. And, uh, you know, he's, yeah. he's going to move up uh, start times by an hour in some cases. And um, my thinking was, even if that doesn't solve any actual problems, it will reduce the uh, it will reduce the, you know, the complaining on Twitter uh, enough where I think it's probably a pretty good move. So my expectation was uh, that you guys would maybe be very happy to hear him talk like that. Uh, but I've heard other people have talked to me and go, no, that's not good. So I'm, I'm wondering, wh- what's the case? How happy were you to hear him say those words? Well, first of all, Adam is a really, I don't have to tell you this, I'm sure you realize it, but he's a, he's an incredibly progressive thinker yeah. and he's constantly you know, uh, has it top of mind in terms of how to optimize the NBA product, which I think that conversation is all about that dynamic. And, um, you know, those things are, are complicated and they definitely cut both ways. Um, you know, the, while it might reduce the, the, the volume of, of chatter on Twitter about a late start time from somebody on the East coast, you know, you might see a spike in chatter among Laker fans in LA going, really now I got to get to the Staples center for a 6 PM local start. You know, that's a tremendous inconvenience with LA traffic. And so it, you know, there's, there's no, this, there's as much art as there is science to, to scheduling and programming. In my opinion, I've always looked at it that way in a data driven era where we're taking so much of our guidance from, you know, from insights, provided by data and by audience information and other sources. Um, There's still a bit of a feel to it, uh, you know, uh, and I take the approach that, you know, there's also a balance that's, that's required. And I'm sure the NBA knowing how they work and they are among the most creative and progressive and, and collaborative um, leagues in terms of the scheduling dynamic as between us and them and Turner and them for that, for that right, matter yeah. and us and Turner. So it's, it, it works pretty good that three party system. Um, um, and so I don't, when he says that, I, I, you know, I don't know that if, if, if he's literal in terms of every single occasion, but with the balance of power tilted towards the West, which by the way, come <laughs> July 1st might tilt back towards the East, who knows? Yeah. There's going to be, I mean, this is going to be quite a unbelievable, um, you know, free, free period agency. of free agency in the NBA where you're going to see so many, you know, top tier players potentially changing teams that you just never know. I mean, um, I, I was one of the, at the time, I think few people who, who cautioned against, you know, LeBron's move to the Lakers from a media perspective, right. not because, you know, not because he wasn't going to make the Lakers that much more, 
uh, attractive from a TV perspective. Of course he was. Um, but the Lakers were a team that even in the pre-LeBron days, as they were you know, maybe not up to the standard that the Lakers would want, right. um, but were still a pretty viable team from a television perspective. Like They're just one of those brand-name teams that people watch. Right. Um, and so they were fine for us from a scheduling perspective without LeBron. Um, and what happened when LeBron moved was that <clears throat> it took the Cavaliers, which during the LeBron era – uh, obviously, championship caliber team yep. and and that kind of thing, and you kind of instantly overnight turn them into um, you know something that was of marginal you know interest uh, from a from a TV perspective uh, without it, without LeBron you know so you know it kind of reduced in my opinion it reduced the you know the top tier the inventory by you know by you know about twenty percent. Um, and so uh, we're hopeful that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, again, who knows, but, you know, some of the player moves that could happen could really benefit some teams that have been off the radar that if they were on the radar would just provide that many more viable uh, games of, of peak interest from NBA fans. I'm thinking of like, you know, the Knicks and, sure, uh, sure. and the, the LA Clippers, even though the Clippers were, were a very good team this year, obviously, but, you know, the Clippers adding whoever it is, Kawhi or, 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 or Kyrie or anybody like that um, would go to the next level. And the Knicks obviously have room for two spots and whoever that may be is undoubtedly going to make them a more interesting team. Right. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm being careful because I'm a Knicks fan and I don't, I don't want to say too much because I have all kinds in my, in whatever private time I do have, I I spend it mostly, um, um, sketching out uh, free agency scenarios for the Knicks. So you're, it's been that long. You're, you're a better man than I am because I, I can tell you with, with great certainty that, that had I ever been a Knicks fan, I could not have held on this long. I would have been much more fair weather than you. So, uh, I'm, so I'm, I'm, star- I'm staring at a banner in my office. No joke that 1973 that NBA champions, 1970, 1973. <laughs> I have a picture of Patrick Ewing and Clyde Frazier on my wall. My, uh, the first dog I ever had was I named Ewing. So, uh, <laughs> like, I'm I talk about long suffering. Uh, believe me, you have no idea. Well, so I, look, for a lot of reasons, I hope the uh, the Knicks get interesting. And uh, now that uh, you're a fan, uh, that's just that's just one more. So, uh, <laughs> so I hope I hope that the Bucks win. So you never even have to comment on this. But you know, I yeah. hear a lot of chatter all the time about you know, ah, Toronto doesn't count in the ratings and the, it crushes the NBA. And I think, well, from the NBA's perspective, the NBA doesn't care. They Canada's paying them for licensing, and they're you know, people yeah. in Canada are watching, so the NBA is fine with 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 that. Uh, and I think you know, from your perspective, you can't control who's in the finals. So you know, sometimes right. that's how it works out. You can't control whether it's seven games or not. Sometimes it works out great. Sometimes it doesn't. It's out right. of your hands, and it's in the fates. Um, how much do you really care who's in the final? Right I, now, I only care about. I, here's the team I want in the finals. I, I want the, whichever team is going to give Golden State the most trouble, and, and by association, the series. longest series. Right. Like nothing matters more in the NBA finals or the conference finals for that matter than a long series to us from a business perspective, like the more games, nothing trumps more games. So, you know, so that, that's what I'm looking for. I mean, both of those teams are really good. I think the dynamic from our perspective also is that, you know, um, in the case of Milwaukee with Giannis, 
I mean, here's a guy who's at, you know, in the absolute upper crust of all NBA players, probably a top two or three player in yep. the league overall, you know, who's going to be around for many years to come. It only serves us long term for people to care about seeing him play, 100%. Um, you know, as quickly as possible. So there's a definite benefit to the Bucks making it from the Giannis perspective. Toronto, you know, it, you know, again, they may win the East. They could be the team that could give the Warriors of the longest series. You've got Kawhi Leonard. You've got Lowry. I mean, that, they're a very good team. They've been a very good team for many years. I think the Toronto thing is overblown. Right. Um, when when it gets down to, you know, to the finals, really what we're hoping for is whoever will make it a six or seven game series. And I, I definitely get the sense that the uh, that the the talent and behind the scenes people who uh, work at ESPN and get to go to Toronto like getting to go to Toronto. By the way, Toronto's a great, yeah, it's a great city. <laughs> Um, one thing that's very interesting to me is sort of the rise of all these OTT sports services, not just ESPN Plus, and the yeah. um, you know the effort uh, to acquire rights to get programming for these OTT services. So I'm wondering, like, just from your perspective as someone who's a, a big part of your job is content acquisition, how has it changed? Yeah. How have these services and the rise of these services changed the content acquisition landscape? A uh, couple ways. Um, one is there's you know more competitors than ever now, right? Because you're not just running into the usual suspects um, when you're in pursuit of of rights. Um, you now have new players, different players, uh, players that can conceivably do things um, that you that we couldn't previously. Um, what I've said about ESPN Plus from an acquisition perspective is is really that it's opened up a whole world of new possibilities for us that that likely weren't possible in a purely linear environment or even with ESPN3 for that matter. Right. Um, and that is to do things like, you know, the global soccer uh, that we've been doing on ESPN Plus. Um, Syria, you know, uh, was something that we did uh, – you know, not long after ESPN Plus launched, it's the entire league schedule, so it's 380 games. Right. Um, you know, we do a game of the week on linear uh, for you know for exposure for the league and to and to you know in a way be a barker for the re the rest of the schedule on ESPN sure. Plus. Um, you know, now we got lucky, uh, unquestionably got lucky with Ronaldo going to Juventus right right after we did the deal, um, or right after we did the first part of the deal. Then we quickly bought the rest of it. Um, and, but, you know, if you look at, you know, that's a deal five years ago, we probably would have had no interest in, even despite Ronaldo, right, you know. Right. Um, but, and if we did have interest in it, it would have been in, you know, you know, skim off the top, game of the week, you know, um, that kind of construct that, that, you know, that, again, also probably would have been kind of a flyer, right? Because, right. you know, how, how much interest is there going to be in, in Italian soccer in, in the U.S.? But let's give it a whirl and see what happens. That, that would have been us five years ago right. um, in an ESPN Plus world. We think to ourselves, wait a second. Here is one of the top league, you know, professional leagues in Europe, with some of the best players in the league, with several of the, you know, sort of uh, what I would call globally relevant 
uh, uh, club brands right. like AC Milan and Inter and, and Roma and Juventus, et cetera. Um, like, and, it, and the whole thing is available for multiple years in a configuration where we can use the vast majority of it to populate this new product. And that was the promise of ESPN Plus, right? That that it was going to be complementary to to ESPN. It was going to give you more than you were getting. Um, it was going to give you different than you were getting. It was going to open up, you know, um, in a real, in a really comprehensive and and what I would argue is a, a very affordable or providing great value proposition uh, product uh, that was going to be delivered right inside this app that you're already visiting pretty regularly anyway. And, and so that, that, that to me is the perfect example of, of, uh, of, of how we started looking at uh, rights acquisitions or, or, or sport properties in an ESPN plus world. Right. And, you know, and then the other part of it is that, you know, um, and you saw us do this in the college space with the American, right athletic conference, you know, here's a, here's a league where, again, we were doing, you know, a cut of, of games, um, uh, you know, on our linear networks, we're going to continue to do that, but there was a ton more for us to, to get. And we, we could present a vision to the AAC where they could have their own essentially branded environment or channel-esque environment in, within the ESPN app. Um, that would make you know the 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 task of reaching AAC fans or the ind- individual school fans, you know, uh, navigating them to their con- to their content in a way that was incredibly easy and and much easier uh, than you know than than you know in in pa- in the past, right? Um, and then the last one, of course, obviously, is like the 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 uber high profile deal that was driven by ESPN plus and the UFC is the, you know, the example there, right. To, to have a, a, a premium sport property, uh, buy into the ESPN plus vision, you know, not just, you know, for their long tail, but for, you know, the, the very best that they have. Um, and you know, that, that, you know, you, you know, we got great results from literally the first, moment we flipped the switch on on ufc um their fans were smart and savvy enough to find it um it, it's only going to get better from you know from the perspective of you know higher profile fighters and fights and you know the and and you know again surrounding the event content with archival and original content so you know it, it's ESPN Plus has sort of opened all of that and more, right? The long tail, you know, the the complementary plus up in the case of the AAC and the premium in the case of the UFC. And the long tail, of course, was the, the first example of Serie A. There's a lot of thing in the media where, you know, it's uh, cool to say legacy TV is dying and it sucks to work for legacy TV. Um, yeah. But I think you're actually in a really cool spot where you kind of get to do both. And so it winds up being more exciting in the new world where you get to do things like you did with the AAC and, uh, and it doesn't suck. It's actually very exciting. Um, am am I, am I thinking about it wrong? 
No, that's I mean that's the way I think of it too. I mean, um, again, you're talking to a guy who grew up at ESPN in you know in what would now be considered a very linear right time in the history of the company, and um, and this now we're sort of you're see, I think what you're seeing in a lot of ways is you know Bob Iger's vision for Disney um, going forward manifesting itself at ESPN sort of at, at the, on the crest of the, of the wave, you know, which is we, you know, in a direct to consumer world, we, we got the, the honor of, you know, of doing the first, making the first effort in that, re, in that regard with ESPN plus right. and positioning it in a way, um, hopefully that fans understood that, you know, what it is and, you know, we can always do a better job in terms of, of that. Um, but knowing that, you know, it, 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 it's complementary to, to ESPN that, you know, it, it, it afforded you the opportunity to either get more or get different. Right. Um, and, you know, presented uh, a good value uh, to sports fans. Um, but you're right. I mean, like, you know, w- w- we haven't taken our foot off the gas at all uh, from, you know, uh, you know, from making sure that the ESPN network business is as strong as possible. And it's what Jimmy has started to refer to as parallel paths, which is, which is true. Uh, But they're also, as you noted, like kind of intertwined at the same time, you know? So I I find it to be a really fun and dynamic moment at ESPN in terms of all the possibilities that have been opened by this repositioning of not just ESPN, but the overall Walt Disney Company towards having, you know, direct to consumer be part of the arsenal along with, you know, um, our, our network business, you know, in the case of Disney, you know, f- you know, films and scripted entertainment and the theme parks and the whole thing. It's, it's really quite remarkable. And it's, you know, for us in our little slice of the, the company, it's been, you know, it's been a ton of fun. So, uh, uh, after you, you, you've been so thoughtful in your responses, I, I, I feel a little bit bad about putting you on the spot. But one of, one of the miraculous things that happened as a result of launching ESPN Plus, and I'm very surprised yeah. by it, is that I stopped seeing the media demand to know when ESPN was going to release an a la carte ESPN OTT that was, you know, ESPN, ESPN2, the, the, the real TV ESPNs. And the demand yeah. to know that has gone away entirely. At least it seems to me that like it's gone away entirely. And uh, I don't want to, I don't want to press you for a time on that, but like I, yeah. I, how, what's, what's the best way for sort of a, an outsider looking in like me to, uh, to think about the if when scenarios to get to an, you know, to get to a better idea of when will be a practical time, you know, for everybody, for, for the people at ESPN to actually think about that. I'm getting the idea. It's not today, yeah. but beyond no, that. It's, no, it's, it, it's definitely not today. It's, it's, um, it's like, it's like I said, uh, you know, it's, it's the parallel path dynamic, right? I mean, the, I, I think it's not only, um, because of ESPN plus, but I also think that it's, I think people may have realized that, that, um, and again, Jimmy's spoken about this recently as well, like have realized that the, you know the the multi-channel bundle is not really going anywhere it right. seems anytime soon right. and you know it it's not none of this is a zero sum game in terms of like you know this has this this must be and this must go away right like and and i think there was a period of time where you know a lot of the narrative around 
uh, around multi-channel was that you know it's you know it's demise is, is not only uh, you know eventual but imminent you know and and uh, we don't see it that way right. I mean we, you know the, what I would say is that there's more ways than ever to get ESPN right not just through uh, cable satellite telco but now over the top you know with you know all the great products that have developed uh, for for fans and for customers like YouTube TV and Hulu and and uh, through Apple TV and th- and through Roku and through other uh, means that can be tied to your subs- you know your your subscription as well like you know it it's it's actually a great time because of technology uh, and because of optionality uh, for both the ESPN network business and ESPN plus and not just ESPN plus yeah. you know if you live outside the system but but ESPN plus like i said in in terms of an increment to your to your to your multi-channel subscription you know and that that's that's what makes sports so great is that you know um there's so much of it and and there's so much good in it that that uh uh that it can populate you know a, a variety of different uh, products and through a variety of different technologies in a way that that uh, is only good for fans. That's that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. So I don't know if you've uh, you've seen uh, all the uh, like the babyfication of Stephen A. Smith that uh, I think it's Ryan Cortez is doing on Twitter. I did see that. <laughs> but uh, so so my advice is like you know pay someone I don't know if it's ten million or fifty million to to write the yeah. software that automatically converts the studio shows into that. And just make yeah. it, that your strategy for uh, getting to five million customers on ESPN Plus. I think it's a quick path. I, I thought the uh, I thought the baby Magic Johnson was also was that was also very good. It was pretty very compelling. Good. Yeah. yeah, that's very good. Yeah, you know, there's not yeah. enough. There there hasn't been enough. Uh, when will Magic Johnson land back at ESPN stories in my uh, in my media feeds yet? So. Yeah, I, I, I I'll leave that to Con- the Connor podcast. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we talked about the empty seat situation at some of the college bowl games last time we spoke. And yeah. to recap, it's a good business, and the kids in the schools like it, even if it's not always the prettiest picture on TV. Those empty seats do not phase me, but I watch a lot of MLB and a lot of MLB highlights. And the, the ways my eyes are reacting to the, to the videos I'm seeing in many, maybe all of the venues, is with alarm. A- am I overreacting? No, I listen, I don't think your eyes are are deceiving you or lying to you. And it's, and what you're seeing is causing that, you know, causing that emotional reaction. Right. I mean, yeah, I love, I'll confess, I love baseball. Right. So to see something I love, you know, it does, it, I do have emotion about it. I'll, I'll, I'll be transparent about it. Yeah. Um, you're right. I mean, like a couple things on that one is from a TV perspective, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, that, you know, a packed stadium, you know, with a great environment, great atmosphere, you know, sort of dynamic, you know, call it what, you know, let's use the base, we'll stick with baseball for a second, the playoff atmosphere, right? right? Playoff environment isn't something that you'd want for each and every game. But, you know, baseball in particular has a really long season. You know, the new facilities have, you know, have premium seating and, and have, you know, and have more than ever, you know, multiple you know, experiences, club environments, et cetera, right. for people to experience during the game. Right. You know, the idea of, and I'm a big baseball fan too, by the way, uh, Yankees, uh, 
Uh, my apologies. I usually have to say that because people hate the Yankees. Uh, you so know much, what? But... So I'm on board. I'm 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 I've jumped off the Giants for a season. I'm rooting for the yeah. Yankees and the Brewers, but I'm rooting yeah. for the, I'm rooting for the Brewers if that World Series comes to pass. Well, I I grew up in New Jersey in the in the uh, in the seventies and eighties, so I, I have no choice. The Yankees <laughs> are my team, and they were darn good back then. And they're fun like right now. They're they fun. Yeah, I like this team they have. Yeah, considering all the injuries, it's pretty remarkable. But but um, um, but what I was saying was was you know you know it's a long season, and and uh, you know they're they're trying to sell tickets and they're trying to offer. Um, different experiences to people. And sometimes you see people sitting behind home plates. Sometimes you don't. And then there's the whole game time dynamic, right? They have weekday games uh, during the daytime hours. They have, you know, early games that, you know, early primetime games where it's difficult to get to the state. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just saying like, you know, of course, from a TV perspective, we want a, a packed stadium with a with a with a intense environment because it does translate to your point. What you see translates to how you feel about the game, right. and and is it a big game uh, or or is it just an ordinary game? So, without question, we want that dynamic uh, to come across the screen. But we also understand the real challenges that uh, in today's environment for to capture people's time uh, and. And part of that dynamic plays out at live events, obviously, to get pe- to convince people to sit down uh, and sit in a seat for nine innings straight, you know, is that's more the baseball that you and I grew up with yep. and not today's baseball, you know, which does not mean the tickets aren't sold and doesn't mean that uh, that 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 they don't have uh, great attendance. I think MLB had record attendance last year in total over the league. Um, tickets so, ticket sold. Yes. Yes. I think so. tickets sold. Right. Yeah. Tickets sold. But, but now we're, now we're separating tickets sold between, you know, with, with fans and seats and, and, and the, and the, you know, the, the dynamic nature of the, of the crowd environment. And, you know, yes, we want that, but we're realistic about it, about, about today's, uh, world in terms of how often, you know, you can get that or how much you can control it is probably a better way to say it. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't know on the control end, but I think, you know, one of the, one of the things that uh, causes alarm for me is just the idea that, that this, that this view of this thing that there are not that many people at will have people raise the question, well, why should I bother doing this? And so why should I be there? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, or why should I watch this on TV even like, you know, people aren't even going to the game. This isn't something that people like to do anymore. Why should I care? Um, and, and you know, that might be, that might be way over the top, but that's sort of like, that's, that's the, uh, that's the gut emotion that gets, that gets provoked when I, you know, when, when that's my visual stimulation. Well, also in the case of the premium, seating you know fans think to themselves why aren't people sitting there i would kill to sit there you know or how can i get down there why can't if nobody's going to come why can't i right you know be down there and you know more and more there's there's companies that are building products and technology around you know optimizing seating at at stadiums baseball is perfect for this um where you know they can sell or resell you know, uh, or upgrade fans based on seats that they know are are empty, um, or going or that are going to remain empty. And um, there's a company in Atlanta called Experience, which is which is really good at this. And and uh, you know, so I, I think 
I think it's uh, it's 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 absolutely a dynamic that people that 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 teams and leagues are paying attention to because you know nobody will sit there and argue that that it's not a better experience when or a better environment when it's packed people are screaming and yelling and going crazy that the playoff dynamic you know sports as you and I knew it growing up like what we see during the playoffs most closely resembles that because that that's what it was you know it was everybody was in their seat for the entire game maybe all the seats weren't sold but you know but uh but certainly if you went that's where you were you weren't wandering around you weren't in a club clubs didn't even exist yeah you know yeah i think a lot of people who haven't been to the you know into a baseball game maybe like in the last 15 or 20 years don't realize that a lot of, you know that some of the people in those front row seats they're 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 inside in the club's restaurant and they're that's you know they're watching the game but they're not actually yeah. in their seats even though they're yeah. they're they're having the experience of being at the game and i know that it's that it's some of that uh, but uh you know i i so look the seats are green i don't think it'd be nefarious if you green screened in the audience for uh, uh for your for your television productions because i think it'd make a, a better television product even if uh even if it's a uh, a little bit schemy uh, i think it makes that that sensation somehow better if you could if you could somehow pull it off i hope the uh you know, sort of the whatever the service. You can imagine if we, if you, you can imagine if we did that. Uh, I mean, Twitter would explode. Uh, yeah, I guess maybe I'm an, right? I'm, a, I'm an anarchist. I'm an anarchist. Yeah. I want that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's not a good idea. But, but it, I think it. You know, I, I could think of a few specific people that might <laughs> might spontaneously combust uh, if we did that. Maybe one game a year, just to get that get that to happen. <laughs> well, I'll, 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 listen, when you. When you come work at ESPN, that can be your project. You can that can be your special project. Uh, you know what? You got me thinking about it now. So, uh, <laughs> so I know I'll get you out of here with something funner than uh, than empty seats. So I know that uh, that for the NBA, you you want whatever series produces the seven game final, and uh, Warriors versus whoever is fine with you. However, that works out. Who yeah. is your World Series prediction? Ooh, wow. Um, Listen, I think the American League is a lot like it was last year. I think, you know, I think, and I know more about the AL, obviously, because I pay attention right. uh, being a Yankees fan. But, you know, I think the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Astros are, are sort of a, a cut above. Um, the Astros are really, really good again. Um, um, so, you know, I think it's one of those three teams. Um, on the NL, I'm not so sure. Um, I'm not so sure. Uh, Dodgers, I guess, uh, potentially, um, you know, um, maybe Philadelphia with their new, the new crop of players that they have. But, um, but I think it's still, I think the AL teams are still kind of a, a, a cut above. So, uh, I know. Which... I'll say Yankees though, because I, I hate I hate when people don't answer the question. So okay, so Yankees I, are going to win the World Series. So, it's so, time. So do you have the uh, you have the AL or NL wild card game this year? Do we have the AL or NL wild card game this year? I believe we have the AL. So yeah, so I'm you're pretty root, certain we have the AL. You're rooting for Yankees Red Sox, right? <laughs> Yankees Red Sox wild card game would be. I don't know if I would personally survive it. I would probably be rolled up in the in a ball in the corner, unable to watch because of I'd be so anxious, but. But uh, yeah, that would be the best. Case. Considering that's our that is our our single uh, playoff uh, game from MLB at the moment. Uh, you know that 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 yes, that would absolutely be the best case scenario for us. 
Well, I, I, uh, I would like to see that game. Burke, thanks as always for taking the time. A pleasure to talk to you. Robert, no problem. Anytime. Keep on Josh and Mike. We got to do this periodically. Babyfication of the studio shows. I, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm telling gonna... you. <laughs> I, I literally had the same thought the other day when I was watching that. I said, like, we should just run a simultaneous version of First Take with the baby filter on anywhere, frankly. But ESPN Plus, great. I'd put it on ESPN News or ESPN <laughs> 2 at the same time. Oh, you're saying it's too, it's too good to hold for Plus. It's that good. <laughs> no, I mean, it's that good. I think you're right. I agree with you. <laughs>